Hi, I'm Bo Humphreys, and this is the 75th episode of The Personal Finance Show. This episode will be 75 minutes long and will dedicate one minute to each of the 74 episodes published so far, leaving 30 seconds for this intro and 30 seconds at the end. So if you want to get a sense of the show's evolution without spending 75 hours listening to podcasts, this is the episode for you. Let's get started with my very first episode from March of 2017. Episode 1. For episode 1, I met Chris Chan of Duello at the Ryerson DMZ in downtown Toronto. I didn't even know I wanted to do a podcast yet. I was just going to interview Chris and transcribe it from my blog. Just before the interview, my computer crashed, so I had to use my phone as backup. There is no intro, no outro. I didn't have separate mics, so I'm way louder than Chris, and there's no way to change that. All this considered, I really enjoyed listening to this interview. If you want to hear more from Chris, also check out episode 38. Here's the clip. We want to more accurately determine who is a good credit customer, right? And that's almost a segue into our next level of intelligence, which we're building in as, our, as, as an add-on to our platform. Actually, a separate end of our platform, which I think is uh, even more interesting than yeah, what is it? Yeah. So, so we're building out Duello. I'm so curious right now. Yeah. So we're building out Duello Score. So okay. it's essentially a scoring platform that. Episode two. For episode two, I took a trip to the Lending Loop office to chat with co-founders Cato Pastel and Brandon Vlar. I put together a quick intro for this one with the help of my wife, Kayla, on the voiceover. I decided to continue with the fintech theme and talk about the company, but I did touch a bit on their personal finance stories. You can hear more from Cato uh, on episode 10, where he was part of the Canadian fintech corner at the Cybos conference. So here's the clip. You as the investor are, are taking risk on each loan you lend to. Yeah. And that's why it's so important to diversify your investment. So the reason, you know, the minimum investment is $25, as I said before, is because if you're investing, say, $2,500, you can actually lend $25 to 100 different businesses. If we're doing 10 a week, for example, sure. and you stay with us for 10 weeks, you'll okay. be able to lend. What is the turnover businesses. for businesses these days uh, in terms of like recent events? Yeah, right now it's about five to 10 a week. And obviously yeah. our, our goal is to continue to increase that over time so that you can very quickly diversify your portfolio. Episode three. Episode three was a short interview with Tate Hackert of Zazoom. We didn't talk a lot about Tate's personal finance story because I did a written interview with him before I started the podcast. And since this was part of the FinTech series, I focus on the company and how it's a good alternative if you're in the unfortunate situation of needing short-term cash now without having to go and get a payday loan. We also talked a bit about how it felt for Tate to win 20 grand in a fintech pitch competition. Here is a bit of that. Zazoon provides employees with a way to access their already worked wages before their next payday. There's over 2 million employees here in Canada that use egregious short-term loans to help smooth their cash flow. And they're using these regularly each and every year. And Zazun really wants to provide a responsible alternative to these short-term egregious lending vehicles. We don't actually provide the employee with credit. We just provide them with a way to access their wages earlier and at any time they choose. Um, so it helps really smooth out their income. Episode four. I would call episode four my first real personal finance story interview. The first podcast that I was ever invited to be on as a guest was the Mo Money podcast hosted by my now good friend Jessica Moorhouse. So once I figured out I wasn't going to keep going down the fintech interview route, I knew that Jessica would be one of my first guests. This was also when I realized podcasts can be fun and not just a bunch of questions and answers. It helps that Jessica is also an experienced podcast host and super easy to talk with. 
are blogging and more so the podcasting are they therapy oh for sure for, i mean for you and and for maybe the your guests other, yeah too. other people where they could be like oh good i'm not the only one dealing with you know a big reason why i started the blog and then the podcast i would read blogs i would listen to podcasts and when i would like connect with someone else's story or what they were saying i felt like oh my gosh i'm not alone in this world it makes you feel special and good and just like everything's gonna be okay because i'm not doing this thing for the first time like no one else has episode five so for episode five, I decided to go to the Planswell headquarters and interview as many people as I could get in the podcast, whoever was willing to sit around and pass the mic around. And that was so much fun because you just get different people to answer different questions. And uh, we had a fun little questions on the internet segment that I made up. So here's a bit of that. Yeah. So the problem for us at the time was that if half of these people, like nobody's willing to talk to them, we, the reason is because it's so cumbersome to create a financial plan and to meet people in person, uh, they have to make a certain amount of money. So we had, we had to figure out a way to, you know, more cost effectively deliver that financial plan. And, and we figured out how to do it so well that we can give it away for free. I met somebody the other day, well, today actually, literally a PhD who's trying to figure out how to help advisors demonstrate the value they create. I think that there's a problem if you need a a PhD to sort of look at this problem now that consumers are sort of becoming aware of these issues. Episode 6. Episode 6 was with Sean Cooper. He wrote a book called Burn Your Mortgage. He paid off his mortgage really fast. You know, he lived in the basement and he worked a bunch of jobs and he had a bunch of money saved up too. But everyone either thinks he's crazy or awesome, and it's a very polarizing topic, right? But the, the main thing is he set a goal and he achieved it, and I'm you know, pretty proud of Sean for doing that. And we should all uh, be so lucky as to be able to meet goals like Sean. People are taking on a lot of debt, but I just decided to say enough is enough, and I want to get rid of my debt as soon as possible. So I think that's kind of what irks people. And just to be clear, I'm not saying everyone should pay off their mortgage in three years. Kind of the message of my book is it's great to pay off your mortgage sooner than 25 years. And you don't necessarily have to give up all the things that you love in your in, in life. You can still enjoy your favorite things like your iPhone and your Starbucks. You don't have to live in the basement like me. Episode seven. So for episode seven, I was at the Cybos conference, a big financial conference in Toronto. And there was this payments race beginning, and I knew about it because uh, my friend Jessica Moorhouse from episode four, she is in it. And she's like, I'm racing from Toronto to Las Vegas, and I have to make certain uh, checkpoints, and I have to use only chip and pin credit card. And I'm like, I want to interview all these people. So I found all of them, and they all sat down with me just before they started the race. So it was so much fun. I'm Stu, and I run the uh, YouTube channel Stu's Reviews. I'm a tech uh, blogger also based in Cardiff. I took part in the last race with coins, and this time I've got paper money, cash. Wait, wait, so it was only coins? That or? was last time, so I had to <laughs> use basically, uh, they gave me pennies and five pences. Are you kidding me? It was so heavy, it was unbelievable. Um, it broke the suitcase wheels on the, way, on the way to try and change them for a better <laughs> denomination. Episode 8. Episode 8 was with Doug Hoyes. I went to Doug's studio, and he interviewed me for his podcast, Debt Free and 30, and then I interviewed him. And he's had he's done like the 235 podcasts as of uh, last week. This is a very important interview for me because uh, Hoy's Michaelos, Doug's company, is the reason you know why I got out of debt and how I was able to fix uh, my credit problems and sort of just climb out of my addiction. So I just wanted to get Doug on and talk about all that. If the reason for my uh, bankruptcy was 
gambling, then the creditors might say, well, you know what, we want to go to court and have a discussion about this because that's there's a section in the act that talks about frivolous and vexatious spending. So you know what the solution to that is? Do a proposal. So we disclose up front to the creditors, yeah, okay, I've had some issues in the past, but look at the money I'm willing to offer you. Okay, well, we'd rather have the money than worry about the court thing. That's another big advantage to a proposal. Episode nine. Episode nine was actually recorded in Dallas, Texas. And uh, my guest is Canadian, which is really kind of crazy, though we do live not really close. She's in Ottawa and I was in Toronto at the time. So our paths didn't really cross at any uh, opportune time. So I was just like, hey, we're both here at the conference, FinCon in Dallas. You want to just do an interview here? And she's like, sure. So this is Desiree. I've had to think about it is one of the bloggers that I follow she runs a blog called She Picks Up Pennies and she's an American blogger but she wrote this great post about you diversify your investments you should diversify your information sources so don't take my word for anything read 10 20 different perspectives on personal finance because I am all for you know buying a latte and not retiring early But maybe you want to balance that out with a different perspective from someone who is retiring early. Episode 10. For episode 10, I was at this crazy, huge conference called Cybos. Tons and tons of people there. It it costs like $8,000 to get in if you're not media. Thankfully, I was. And uh, so I found this Canadian fintech corner because the conferences in Canada, like, let's celebrate Canadian fintechs. And I picked a few that I like, some that I knew. I interviewed three of them. So Lending Loop, Milo, and Wave. So you've got these brave entrepreneurs who are going out into the market trying to do their thing, and every single time they get a little more successful, they hit another level of obligation, of red tape, of complication that's going to get in the way of their success. And I don't mean to go on some sort of a libertarian tear here. I am going to maintain an agnostic position on what the government should or shouldn't do, but the reality is that business owners face things that constrain their ability to be successful. And our goal here at Wave is to, how do we jump in and take away those complicating factors around the financial side of your business and help you do what you do. Episode 11. So episode 11, I'm still at Cybos. I realized that uh, somebody that I wanted to talk to for a while, Chad Sichelow from a company called Dojo, he was there. And so uh, I had this media room and we had little booths. So I said, hey, meet me in the media room and we'll have a chat. And this is kind of more of a personal finance uh, story than... uh, I'm on my way there. I'm not quite telling personal finance stories yet, but this one's good. And I think uh, Chad said to me, uh, I feel like I've just been through a therapy session, which is what all podcasters want to hear. We knew that if we were going to teach kids about money, they had to actually be using money in an environment which was, first of all, safe. And there are some controls that the parents had, which they have, but also one where the kids could actually make a few monetary mistakes on their own but do it in a safe environment before they get out into the real world and get themselves into trouble. So it had to be attached to bank accounts directly in order to give kids that experience. Episode 12. I feel like I got really lucky for episode 12. I was, again, this is the last uh, of the Cybos interviews. I was there at lunch, fantastic lunch, and just at my table were three guys from Uganda. And we started talking, and it turns out they're in fintech, and I like, would you tell people about personal finance uh, as it is in East Africa, in Uganda, and other countries in East Africa, Kenya, Tanzania? Digital financial services are enabling other different utilities. Water, he gave an example of how mm-hmm. mobile payments enable them to improve the water supply sector. 
So in our typical countries, access to piped water will be scarce because it's hard to roll out the network to many other areas. But that's also because they are not able to recover most of their payments. So when mm. you improve the payment process, you give them more finances and they're able to roll out water to different places. Episode 13. For episode 13, I wanted to focus on giving and charity. It was holidays and I talk a lot about saving and spending, but I don't talk about giving. And it should be part of it too, like giving your time, not necessarily money if you don't have it to give, but you can be generous with your time and you can just be kind and be generous that way. So I went to a charity called City Kids and talked to Todd Bender. Uh, He's just done so much to help kids in Hamilton. And here's Todd. When we're able to give back, when we have been successful, when we have made money in our business, when we're able to give back, it makes us feel good, whether it's a justification or whether there's an altruism that happens to that. And better yet, that when we, when we are invited to be part of the story, and this is one of our philosophies at City Kids, we don't look at our supporters as ATM machines. In fact, what we say is probably the same thing that you would share with investing. Invest wisely. Give wisely. We actually, I, I've had situations where somebody was ready to give us money and a lot of money. I said, I don't want your money yet because you haven't even seen what we do. Episode 14. Episode 14 is my real first personal finance story. It's an hour and 26 minutes long. So that's kind of closer to the average these days. And it's just about Mike. Mike Wickware. It's about his life. We talk a bit about what he does. We talk a bit about his career trajectory, but it's really just about him and his experience with money from the beginning. I knew what I wanted to be on the day that I realized I just want to explain things. And I think you're right when you kind of hinted at it earlier. It might have been something other than money. It could have been. I think that's the core thing that, yeah. like, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit of a skeptic on the whole uh, 10,000 hours, anybody can and master anything an camp. Your natural strengths are really important to try to figure out what they are and then figure out where you can best apply them. Because you'll be more successful, probably, than trying to do something you're actually not that great at. And you'll probably enjoy it more. Episode 15. So I've always been a well-simple guy. So I was avoiding interviewing Randy Cass from Nest Wealth. Even though I know Randy's got tons of information uh, and tons of, of interesting things to say. And he's been in this business for a long time. And so it was really fun to uh, go and chat with Randy, and he just happened to have just moved in to the office that I used to be in, renovated the whole thing. It was really weird. Randy's got a lot of insight, and he's doing great things to help Canadians. Well, mutual funds really focus on we are active, smart managers who can beat a benchmark or do better than others can do. ETFs take the exact opposite approach, and they're like, look, diversification is a really good thing. It doesn't take much skill to give you the exact same 500 stocks that exist in the S&P 500. So we are going to create an exchange-traded fund that mimics the exact holdings of the S&P 500 by holding the 500 securities and the proper allocations. Episode 16. For this episode, I wanted to walk around outside. I, I don't know why. I just thought it would be fun to change it up a bit. This is the first, uh, but not the last episode that we uh, recorded outside. I liked it. It was cold, so we went in a little bit into the underground of Toronto, too, which is technically outside to me anyway. It's We're still walking around. Uh, so here's Stephen Wayman uh, from Credit Card Genius. If you find yourself living paycheck to paycheck and you're, you're, you know that you know an emergency might strike and you're not going to be able to pay off that balance, there's so many cheaper ways to borrow money than through a credit card. You, you basically just want to 
keep one maybe that you use for those hotels. But if you're somebody who has a good control over your finances, makes a lot of regular purchases every month that you can charge to your credit card, then this is an opportunity for you to actually do things that you wouldn't otherwise do, like travel somewhere far away. Episode 17. So you remember episode 7, the payments race people? And one of them was my friend Jessica. Well, she came back on the show to tell us how it all went down. It was very interesting, a lot of long trips, and uh, I'm just glad she came to tell us what uh, what this payments race was all about. So what really opened my eyes uh, after the race was, wow, I, I didn't realize how, I guess, used to I am that, you know, I can kind of go wherever in Canada and uh, pretty much like I'll be good with just my main chip and pin credit card. It's rare when I, I go to a place where like, oh, sorry, only debit or only cash or whatever. Usually they're pretty open to all kind of payment methods. So that is a luxury. Honestly, that is a privilege. So when I went to the States and, you know, it was like a struggle to find, you know, a place to eat and that it would accept my payment method. I was just like gobsmacked. It was just insane. Episode 18. And now the winner of the uh, payments race. And uh, yeah, she won with Bitcoin. Uh, she'd never been to Canada before. We did this interview. She was in the UK, back in the UK. She's French, working in the UK. And she just really wants to promote cryptocurrency. And uh, it wasn't easy, but uh, she was able to get it all done. So here's Emily. Everyone has got to understand what it is. It is the future. And all it is, it is just money. It's just in a different form. The ways that all our ancestors had to change from gold to paper can you imagine, like, I, I imagine actually, like, our ancestors got pretty scared when someone told them, like, hey, now your money is going to be a piece of paper. One of the things I've noticed is that if you look on the internet, what is Bitcoin, you are going to get Bitcoin is a decentralized blah, blah. You switch off. As soon as you see the word decentralized, you're like, oh, what does that mean? It's scary. Episode 19. So Alison Souter is a tax lawyer, and she created this free way of doing your taxes. It's pay what you want. I mean, you should pay if you're getting your taxes done for free, basically, like you would, you know, you pay the other ones, you file and, and whoever else. So pay Allison too, uh, simple tax. So here's Allison. And what was really cool is once we were published in the newspaper, I think it gave us a little bit of street cred. So people became less nervous about using this. Somehow the, the newspaper was more beneficial to us than the CRA website for just people trusting it a little bit more we could then put it on our website that we were featured in the globe and mail and then a local interest tech writer here in vancouver wrote about us so we got a ton of local users and then we just tried to seed it through our friends and family and um, people used our product like people came and people actually were paying episode 20 so i was lucky enough to get about 45 minutes on the phone with Canada's financial literacy leader, like basically a government official, uh, you know, working for the uh, Financial Consumer Agency of Canada, appointed by the Minister of Finance. Uh, and uh, her whole job is to make sure the Canadians are financially literate. Listen to the podcast. You can figure out what Jane's doing for uh, Canadians. There was great recognition that people really needed to better understand the complexity and the specific products and services, but more broadly, even the basics of budgeting. You know, once you know the where your money is coming in and where the money is going out, you can 
feel a little bit more comfortable and confident and in control of your money. And then you can see how you can pay down debt. You can make spending decisions that change where you're spending your money. And so you can help pay down debt and increase your savings. Most people, and I would hazard to say all people would be surprised at where does their money go in a day. Episode 21. I think this is my only uh, married couple interviewed at the same time. So they were both sitting in their office and we all just had a conversation. Uh, so Lindsay and Graham Plum, they, uh, they're moolah financial coaches and advisors in BC. Uh, they were a lot of fun. I met uh, Lindsay at a conference and hey, I want to have you on the podcast. And um, you know, her husband came on too. And uh, we actually talked about their personal finance story. I think going forward, it's really my main focus now. And we came up with this phrase that we wanted to leave people with the experience of being unstoppable. So we looked at the ways first that people were stopped in their finances. And it was everything from jargon to banker's hours to fees, um, commissions, all, all of it. And we tried to figure out how we would implement this, you know, leaving people unstoppable philosophy. And we kind of came up against a wall, kind of looked at each other and decided to, to jump off the cliff together and start our own company. Episode 22. So I worked for Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment for six years. And uh, during those six years, Richard Petty was my president. And I just thought Richard was great. He's a fantastic leader. When you enable people with a vision and values to follow, it just it actually works. I just happened to have Richard on to tell his story. He always wanted to run a, an NBA basketball team, and he did. It took him most of his life, but he did. I mean, that is not what dreams are, right? You just work until it happens. And so Richard's got a great story, and he's, uh, he's a great guest. A good company empowers its employees. And I remember, you know, if, if an employee saw someone drop their popcorn, go get them a new popcorn. They used to say, excited, everyone was empowered. The only thing I said was we only have 214 parking spots below Air Canada Center. You cannot give away a parking spot. <laughs> you can comp a ticket. You can comp a meal. You can buy them a new pop. You can solve the problem. Episode 23. So Megan Nubrega works at Carrot Rewards, this free app that tracks you're you're walking and and gives you quizzes and you can earn like whatever scene points or whatever your rewards points thing is. But it was really cool to talk to her. You know what makes somebody want to work for a company that is about financial wellness, physical wellness, uh, mental wellness, and uh, her history with money as well. I had some financial help, which was great, but I wasn't actually allowed to work while I was there. So it became a whole thing of like suddenly those seven dollars that I was not putting aside when I was fifteen. Yeah. I was like, man. That would have been great for like groceries and stuff. I was lucky. Like I worked still when I came home for the summers. um, And so I was still doing some coaching, working retail. And so that definitely helps like at least supplement my life. But yeah, definitely had some stuff to figure out. I was definitely really lucky. Like I didn't have as much debt as I definitely could have. But yeah, it was definitely something to consider. Like even just to kind of supplement like groceries and living expenses, it was like you all of a sudden a budget became much more real than it had before when I was living with my family. Episode 24. So this is another walking around uh, in a park episode. You know, Kate Flanders, uh, she wrote a book called The Year of Less, which is about uh, her shopping uh, ban and her spending ban. And she was addicted to alcohol and she was addicted to spending her money. And it was just all not working for her. And she changed her life. And she uh, wrote a book about it. And Kate says she's great. And it was a lot of fun. And you should read the book and listen to the podcast episode. I knew it was time to not drink anymore. Not that I couldn't have made it work here, but my social life in Toronto was all drinking. I knew that I would have a, a better support system, at least in the beginning, because my dad got sober when I was 10. Or I grew up in a house where there wasn't alcohol after I was 10 years old. Mm. 
And so I knew I would have my dad's support. I knew we'd had, growing up, some other friends who had gotten sober. And so I knew, like, I had friends who would be supportive of me making that change. Episode 25. So I met Eric Brotman uh, at FinCon in Dallas in 2017. And the thing that I'll always remember is he didn't, he didn't know about podcasts and, and blogging and all of this stuff. Maybe he blogged before, but he didn't know about this whole world that existed of, of uh, uh, personal finance bloggers and podcasters and influencers. And he was just so excited. And Eric, he's got a podcast of his own now. Consumers really don't know the difference anymore any more than we know the difference in other fields that are foreign to us. It's very tough for a family or an individual or a consumer to say, boy, this, this, I, I'm comparing these three organizations, firms, or individuals, and, and I can really do a, a deep dive apples to apples for these folks. They can't. It, it's almost impossible for a, an average consumer to do that. And we've made it complicated, some of that by legislation, some of it by regulation, and some of it on purpose. Episode 26. So Matt Matheson from episode 26 is a teacher and assistant principal, and then he decided to start teaching personal finance, and then he started to blog about personal finance, which is really awesome because he's teaching personal finance to kids, and then he starts writing, and then he just hustles and gets published in Money Sense magazine, which you know I've been reading since I was, I don't know, 15 years old. So uh, here's Matt. So I was paid $9 an hour. And I was tasked with bringing the porta potties into the heated wash bay mm. and taking hot water and running it into the tank because we had to thaw it out. And then, I, then we'd leave them in the wash bay overnight. I'd come back the next uh, the next evening. This was an after school job, so I'd come come in uh, after school in the evening, and I would literally like we would have to suck out the the tanks. Episode 27. So Brendan Lee Young and Brendan Wood of Passive, episode 27, they actually met at a diaper party, which is apparently where you bring a bunch of diapers to new parents. And uh, I now wish I would have had one because that's what's costing me the most as a new parent. Here they are. I think it's really important to use your own stuff. A term inside the industry would be like dog fooding, so like eating your own dog food. Okay. And if you don't do that, then you don't really deep understanding of your product or what problems it should be solving or, you know, what you should be doing to address these things. Um, so yeah, it's, it's super important that both Brendan and I are passive investors and we use our accounts to manage our investments. And, you know, like that, that gives us a lot of insight. I took a course at a university called value investing. I, I thought that I could use the stock market to make money and I used to gamble in my early 20s and one day I woke up and I realized, well, that doesn't make sense. If you want to save more money, maybe invest in the stock market. Episode 28. So I've been a Shannon Lee Simmons fan for a long time. And, you know, I knew that when I when I got her on the podcast that we would have to do some kind of singing. And she actually agreed to sing right at the end. I think she's the only one that's uh, agreed to do this. Uh, maybe also the only one that I've asked because I knew she would. Go right to the end. It's like a sort of a name that tune or fill in the next line. Uh, and, and I had a great time. Here's a bit from Shannon. Best and worst year of my life. It was the best year because I was like living at this fantasy that I had been like obsessed with for years now at this point. Um, and I felt like for the first time I was like having a real impact on people's lives. Like I knew I was always helping all. I always felt that way. But this was the first time that I felt like I was impacting lives in a way that made me feel so proud and 
Yes, this is, it literally felt so satisfying, even though I wasn't making any money. Episode 29. For episode 29, I had John Kalos uh, on, and he worked in a bank for a long time. And then he decided, no more banking for me. And, well, he's a financial advisor. But he started this podcast called Confessions of an Ex-Banker, where he basically just tries to tell everybody, like, what happens when you go into a bank and what they're going to say to you. And really, they're not your friends and they are trying to sell things. So just be wary. And here's John to tell you a little bit more about that. You know, you have an objective to sell GICs, and, and which are guaranteed investments, and an objective, an annual objective to sell mutual funds. And when you're at 150% of your GICs, for example, and your boss is breathing down your, your back because you're at 70% in mutual funds, well, you might be tempted, you know, the next client that comes in to sell mutual funds, which is not right. So there's a potential conflict of interest, which is something that I've been fighting for, you know, for more than 20 years. Episode 30. I met Hamza Khan at uh, a Cookbooks Connect conference, and uh, he was doing this presentation. And uh, the most of it was about Drake. Like he just kept talking about Drake so much that he said, oh, "This is the last thing I'm going to say about Drake." So uh, here's a bit from Hamza. But it's not out of reach. That's the thing. You can replicate the same dynamics by just being smart about where you spend your time. If a budget for your money is a reflection of your priorities then your calendar is also a reflection of your most valuable resource, which is time. And so you decided that you, rather than trading eight to nine hours a day at Live Nation, that was not the best use of your time, that you could live out your best life if you just flipped the equation and if you opened up that eight or nine hours to spend it how you want and take a temporary decrease in earning potential and savings for the chance to be happy and great at what you do. Episode 31. So when I was at FinCon uh, in 2017, uh, there was a message sent out to the, the group on the uh, conference app. Hey, I have a piano in my room by chance. Does anyone uh, know how to play this piano? Anyone want to come and play? Uh, turns out uh, Matt Jarvis uh, got this upgrade to this suite with a grand piano. So I went and played, and uh, he loved it. And we hit it off, and uh, he agreed to come on the podcast later on. Uh, here's a little bit from Matt. And then some investment firms, which we'll not name, but everyone would recognize the names, they were selling to their clients uh, investments that they were creating. In fact, part of the issue that exasperated the financial crisis is these big investment firms, they knew that all these mortgages were going sideways and they didn't want them anymore. So they started dumping them on their clients saying, hey, you really should buy these. <laughs> and what they weren't saying is, hey, we're, you, you should buy them because we need someone to buy them from us, right? We want to get rid of this crap. Uh, and it's you. You're the sucker. Episode 32. Well, I saw Lori Campbell do a presentation at a financial wellness and retirement readiness conference uh, in February 2018. And she just started talking about debt and solving debt problems. And she was just like, everything she said was just like really passionate. She really wants people to not be in debt. And I really wanted her to come on and, and talk about that. Uh, you know, she just helps so many people all the time uh, with her company, Credit Canada. So uh, here's Lori relationships with other people, your self-esteem, uh, obviously addictions and, and mental health issues, mm -hmm. your environment, and everything else. And, and if, you, if you, you can develop at any stage of life a better relationship with money. Mm -hmm. And that's the good news that we try to instill with our clients is that maybe it was mismanagement, maybe it was really not having a full understanding of how to manage your money, but anybody can improve their relationship with money. Episode 33. I didn't know about Evolve ETFs before I interviewed uh, Raj. 
he actually creates, you know, we always wonder like who makes ETFs? Like, you know, what, how are they created? Well, this is the guy. And, and what, after talking to him, I realized this is an art form. This is like uh, a painting something. This is, he's just really good at this, taking a bunch of different pieces of things and putting them together in a nice package and, and giving them to people and giving them something good to invest in. So here's Raj talking a little bit about that. As you get older, you also realize, you know, what you're good at and what you're not good at. Mm -hmm. And I'm not great at selling other people's products. I'm way better at, at creating and selling my own. Yes. It's like, you know, we all think our kid is the cutest. It's the same type of thing. I love the creative aspect, but I also love going out there and talking about it because nobody should understand your product better than the people that created it, right? For so sure. decided that I was going to leave and build Evolve. Episode 34. I actually have 13 guests on this episode. I, I went to the QuickBooks Connect conference and I wanted to talk to accountants and bookkeepers and people who are making these integrated apps for QuickBooks and how all this stuff can just really help you uh, run your business better, your small business, like if you're just one person. And then I got an interview with the president of uh, Intuit Canada, Jeff Cates. And so that's right at the end. And I just like this one because it just has a bunch of people in it and some really great stuff about how to run your business. The transformational part in that is if you give somebody real-time access to data, oh, and you give them more time because you stripped out all the mundane That's work, right. now they can spend time coaching their small business mm -hmm. or, or a consumer for that matter, if it's taxes perhaps. Um, and so you're enabling them to have a much bigger impact in the lives of the people that they serve. That's the part that's really, really been exciting. Episode 35. So Barry Choi, episode 35. Barry's a great example of someone who's built his career on his own terms. He worked uh, for a while at a, at a job in, in television. And on the side, he was basically building up this blogging, uh, you know, personal finance and travel. And at a certain point, he was just like, you know, I can go out on my own and do this and here's a little bit from barry you know anyone can call himself a personal finance expert i got no formal training i call myself a personal finance sure. expert yeah but if you're a certified professional you have standards you cannot make bold statements yeah that's I right i remember my tv days you can't just say some criminal is guilty even if they were caught with the murder weapon in hand that's right in the victim they still given due diligence right but with blogs like anyone can say anything right it's, it's a bit nuts and then you got a question like why are they saying certain things and i get why like even like on my own site i do do affiliates i do get paid work but i disclose it quite clearly episode 36 so gord stein wrote this book called the cash flow cookbook and it's it's like in the style of a cookbook but all the recipes are ways you can basically fix your finances like bit by bit right like you know, don't spend money on this, spend money on that so that you don't have to spend money later. Or, you know, here's how you could save like, you know, $100 a month for over 10 years. Here's Gord to talk a little bit about that. And so that led me to a two-year journey of building this massive spreadsheet where I said, what are the best hacks? What are the best ideas? Minimal sacrifice, minimal time to set it up that starts to free up money. So it started with a $75 a month idea. And the thing actually grew to total savings of ideas of about $13,000 of monthly savings ideas. Would you do all of them? Probably not. No. But I thought that's interesting. And if you apply everything, and if you implement everything in the book, and you invested that for 10 years, 7%, you have over $2 million. Episode 37. So this is my Future of Payments episode. I went to the Payments Canada Summit 
in 2018, and I wanted to get everyone's impression on where uh, payments are heading, like how are we going to pay for things in the future? And also wanted to get someone from Payments Canada to explain exactly what Payments Canada does and, and who they are. What I do know is actually banks love us because we mm. establish the clear rules of the road. So okay, they yeah. everybody knows how it works. And so we don't have funny hiccups or payments that don't arrive or big debates at the end of the day about who owes what to the other guy because we've set the rules and the processes so it all runs pretty smoothly. We're created by legislation in Parliament. Okay. We are not a regulator per se. We make the rules and the standards for how people use our systems. Okay. But we do it in a way that the Bank of Canada and the Department of Finance want it to happen so that we're an engine of efficiency for the economy. Episode 38. So Mark Podolsky buys land from people that don't want it, and he sells it to people that want it. Like, why don't they just do it between themselves? It's because they don't know that uh, they don't want to do the work, basically. People who own land, they don't care about it. They don't even want to pay the taxes on it. He looks that up, and he's like, I'll pay your taxes, and I'll give you some money. And then he contacts their neighbor, basically, and says, hey, you want to buy this? And apparently in the U.S., everybody says yes, because everybody wants land. So here's Mark uh, to talk a little more about uh, what he does at the the Land Geek. You know, if it were easy, everyone would do it. There's no real estate niche that is easy. When you break down all the pieces of this, this is a business. Mm-hmm. Business is hard. And if you're not able to embrace the suck or be comfortable being uncomfortable and kind of being a beginner again, which a lot of people have a hard time with, it's really hard to, to do this. Episode 39. So Tyler Chef, he ha- he has his own podcast, and he's now at episode one sixty nine at, at the time that I'm reading this. He, a lot of times he just talks himself; it's just him talking. But he really knows real estate, and he's been through a whole bunch of different stuff. He knows what works and what doesn't. He teaches people. He has courses. He has free resources. You can uh, check the show notes. I think I put a link to a couple of those. Uh, here's a little bit from Tyler. Well, you know, there's two ways to retire. You can either amass a pile of money or figure out a way to generate a stream of income. It takes one or the other. And unfortunately, modern society thinks that playing the stock market or playing investments to where you got to already start out with a big pile or be 21 when you start. What does the 50-year-old do that only has 10 grand in the bank? I don't know about the Canadian retirement program, but the United States retirement program is is broke. It cannot afford to pay retirement for even somebody my age, and I'm 47. Episode 40. So I was talking with my friend Mark, and he uh, he said that he read this book that helped him quit smoking. And then he used that same book with other concepts or the the idea in that book to like pay down all of his debt. And I'm like, uh, can you come on the show and talk about this? Because this is uh, something I've never heard of. First of all, who can read a book and then quit smoking? Uh, and why doesn't everyone get this book? And apparently a lot of people do. Here's Mark talking a little bit about his story. So I guess, yeah, there's this book you read, you're done it, you put it down, you're done smoking. So I, I pick up the book and I start reading it. And the first thing that he says to do is to keep smoking until you're done the book. Okay. And I was like, well, that's stupid. <laughs> I'm trying to stop. I'm trying, yeah, well, I'm trying to stop. Why are you going to make me do this? And then about halfway through the book, it just kind of clicks for you. And you're like, oh, the whole point of this is to smoke and then break down smoking break it down to a level that where it doesn't seem appealing to you anymore. Episode 41. So my, my favorite uh, part of this episode with the Brian Daly is uh, that he was just walking down the street and somebody from a charity asking for money came up to him and 
asked for money. He's like, I don't have money. And they started talking. And then at the end, she's like, you'd be really good at this. And he's like, okay. And then he worked <laughs> as a, a charity uh, representative on the street for like, I don't know, a year or something after that. But uh, here's more from Brian. I feel like most people who start businesses, it, it's not about the money. Okay. Uh, in the yeah, beginning. It's, yeah. it's literally like I felt like a man possessed. I don't care what it takes. I need to bring this into the world. That's right. I'll sacrifice whatever it is. And, and risk-wise, it's you know, risk is all about time horizon. And I said to myself, okay, I, I could try this for a couple of years. Resilience is the most important thing I think when it comes to entrepreneurship. When it comes to just maybe life, just the ability to keep going no matter what. Episode forty-two. So I worked for Ian Clark uh, indirectly for about six years at Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, and. I always thought of Ian as just like, you know, he was the leader of the finance department, right? He was the, the CFO. And, you know, he was always just the picture of a, like a stand-up guy to me, right? He you know, took care of the finances of this big company. Everybody, everybody likes him. He took us down to New Orleans to build houses for Habitat for Humanity. You know, he just gives some really good advice about uh, how to run your finances. So I think what you have to then do is you have to be realistic with your dollars and set your expectation. And then with that level of expectation, set your priorities. You have to know what's really important to you. And, you you know, we never have enough money to spend on everything we want. Rich people do, but the average person doesn't. So now it becomes a prioritization. If I do this, I don't do that. If I do this, I don't do that. Episode 43. So I think I stumbled uh, across uh, Leanna Hawkins' uh, profile on Instagram or just on Twitter, you know, in the personal finance space. You kind of just like, oh, I'm, how have I not met this person? And when I was doing the research, I was like, we've been on the same like video together where people were asking us questions. Or, or, uh, it was Lisa Zamparo asking us questions about, you know, what are your tips for this or that? And I'm like, you're like right after me in the video. It's so weird that we never met. And so she was very happy to come on the show and you know, she wrote a book and she's got a company and she's all over the world uh, speaking and, and on TV. And here's uh, Leanna. Because it really doesn't have to be that complicated or even more than complicated, that serious. Like, I just want everyone to just chill out, take it easy, just learn a little bit and just calm down because it's going to be okay. Everyone has to put the time in themselves and invest in themselves to learn a little bit of the basics, just a little bit. Episode 44. I heard uh, Tom Kugler on the Do You Even Blog podcast with Pete McPherson. He was talking about Medium and how everybody should be on Medium.com writing and uh, how he got a bunch of followers. And I just uh, I just liked the way Tom was uh, having the interview. And I thought, hey, come on and tell your uh, personal finance story because he didn't make money for a long time and then he found Medium and he's, you know, it's still, he's not a millionaire or anything, but Tom's story is just really about uh, choosing yourself and uh, being creative. So I was like, either it's a really, really crappy idea and no one's made a course about it because it's just not a profitable course idea or two, actually nobody has thought about this and it, and it is a good idea, but just nobody has done it yet. And I was like, maybe it's the latter because this platform is just not that saturated yet. And I was like, you know what? The only thing I got to do is put on a webinar. I don't even have to make the course. I just put on a webinar and we'll see what happens. Episode 45. So Angel Jones, I believe, is the only podcast guest to have ever uh, slept over at my house. He actually visited Canada from Trinidad uh, recently because he was doing this crazy tour interviewing tons of people. 
he's actually interviewed thousands of people since 2016. You can listen to all of them online. So go to the podcast and click on the links. It should come from the place of if you do help enough other people get what they want, you mm-hmm. will get what you want. So it's really not selfish. Mm-hmm. So for some reason, we're thinking that it's selfish to want more freedom for ourselves. When we have more freedom, it's actually then going to be shared with others. It's fascinating to see that the uniqueness of an individual can peer through even hmm. though I'm asking the same question. Yeah. Episode 46. Boyce Collins actually uh, works right up the street from me, and I would uh, run past this, uh, this building, the personal mortgage group, see this mural about, you know, don't be a dead zombie, and it was a picture of zombies. And, and I was like, I got to go in there and, and find out who these people are. And I went in, and Boyce was there, I talked to him, and he's like, yeah, I'll come on the show. And he's uh, turns out he's got a pretty interesting uh, uh, progression um, on his way to, helping people with their mortgages. We're looking for people who don't want to be house poor. One yeah. Thing. People with responsible borrowers, people who want a good life. And the way banks qualify mortgages, like they, they hold them, the banks and their sort of regulators hold themselves up like this sort of pinnacle of like of financial wellness for Canadians. Well, no. that's, that's absolutely not the case. Mm. Max debt servicing is 44% of your of your uh, monthly income. Those debt servicing ratios are based on utilities like hard costs that don't exist and uh, on income that you're not actually earning. Episode 47. Eric Arnold uh, has been on the show before, but not the whole episode wasn't dedicated to him. It was episode five of this company plans. Well, he answered a bunch of questions, but other people were there too. But I wanted to tell his story, which, (laughs) which is just a little bit crazy. You know, he's had so many businesses, but it makes sense. You know, like he went through all these businesses, made some money, lost some money, made some money, just learned all this. And then when he got the plans, well, he was like, I'm ready to go all in on this one. When people return stuff, 25% of the time it's because it's broken. Okay. 75% of the time it's buyer's remorse or they didn't like the color yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's still good. Nothing wrong with it. The packaging, if, it, if it's fine, they put it back on the shelf. But if the packaging is damaged, they throw it into a huge box and they, ma- they put it on a manifest. They write down what, what's there. When the box gets full, they auction it off or they liquidate it. Okay. And it's sold generally for 95% less than what they originally paid, like what Best Buy paid. Wow. Um, So it's like free. Episode 48. So I went to Australia in 2018 and I'm like, well, if I'm in Australia, I'm going to find some Australian personal finance people. And I found uh, three awesome people. One who I I should have met already at uh, FinCon 2017 because we were both there. Uh, so this one's Kylie Travers, and she just been through so much, and she basically turns all of these obstacles she went through into opportunities and is now killing it. Here's Kylie. I think for a lot of people, they just haven't been taught how to manage their money, mm. or there's issues with you know people wanting instant gratification. It's huge, and it's it's interesting watching my daughters and teaching my daughters and seeing them and how they talk with their friends at school because of what I've said to them and how I'm getting my daughters to manage their money and that. But the thing with finances is you can automate so much of it. That's like right. You don't actually have to put in the effort and you can have it done before the money even hits your account. And this is what I say to people often who are like, oh, I'm so bad with money. It's like, well, have your payroll. Take, you know, 10 or 20% of your pay, pay straight away yep. and have it put into savings. Episode 49. So part two of the Australian series is Bessie Hassan from uh, finder.com.au. So Finder is basically a very popular financial comparison site. In Australia, and also they're building up in the states and in other places in the world too. But really big in Australia, and you know she's basically uh, head of PR and she's the money expert there. So I'm gonna have her on talking about 
and what it's like uh, in her life in Australia and uh, what she does at Finder. I've never been one just to study or, or read books. I want to get my hands dirty yes. and really get in there. So I, I try to encourage even the interns here at Finder, yeah. and I've got uh, one great one on my PR team, to get involved, ask questions, do everything that's asked of you with a smile on your face, mm-hmm. go above and beyond. You won't be doing the admin or the photocopying forever. You're just getting your foot in the door. An attitude goes a long way. Yeah, always do it with a smile on your face and ask what else you can do. Episode 50. So the last part of the the Australian series uh, is uh, also my first anonymous blogger. Uh, Not my last, apparently. So this is uh, Tina from Money Flamingo. And uh, she's an Australian financial independence retire early blogger. And uh, here's her talking about how they do fire at Money Flamingo. Even with the higher living expenses, I did the numbers how we can easily live on one paycheck, save mm. the other, and we pretty much started doing that right from the start. A bit more now because we obviously got raises and didn't really. Yeah. Eat. But um, now we're actually able to live. Uh, a, I would call it like a very comfortable lifestyle and like not too much money. Yes. And we're on average income. So I can see like like Australians, you know, like they're a bit more like Americans with the, you know the German cars. Sure. Always like I know how much German cars cost here. It's just crazy, right? <laughs> and like anything you know, imported big is houses, expensive here. Yes. And but we I don't know we sort of we're in a one bedroom apartment where we buy the beach. Episode fifty one. So I drove to Orlando, Florida, from Hamilton. It took twenty hours. During those twenty hours, I listened to podcasts the whole way. When I got to FinCon, there was an opportunity to record a live podcast, and I decided to make it about all the podcasts that I listened to. So this is a, a podcast about podcasts. It's short. It's just me. Listen to it to find more podcasts about money, and yeah, I think they're all about money. Patriarchy is a remnant of that. So, like one of the examples is uh, um, the woman taking the uh, man's name when they get married. Why? Why is that? Uh, why is it the man's name? Why is the man more important in that case? When you have a kid, why is the default name the man's name? You know, maybe because of, of point A, where the woman took the man's name. My wife doesn't have my name. What last name is our kid going to have? Well, if you assume that it's going to be my name, then you're actually just supporting this old school patriarchy. Episode 52. So David Jenkins created this website. The answer is he decided he was going to basically give away some pretty decent investment advice. He goes through step-by-step instructions for this model long-term investment portfolio that he came up with. You have to make a donation to a kid's charity. That's the price that you pay for his uh, basic advice. And you also have to pass a basic uh, understanding test to be able to even qualify to get on this site. So here's a little bit from David. You're like, really, why do you invest? In my mind, the reason why people should invest is for income replacement. You know, uh, in the old days, wealth was not counted by how much you made in a year. It's by how much your assets generated. generated. Yeah. And so really that's, you know, what, what is investing? What is, what is, a, what is a million dollars? What is a million dollars? Well, a million dollars really is an income of about $40,000 a year in dividends. Episode 53. Darlene, she was a registered nurse, and then somehow she became a financial advisor. I mean, just knowing those two things, isn't that worth listening to this episode? (laughs) To me, that's why I wanted to have her on the show. Uh, How do you go from nurse to financial advisor? Very interesting trajectory, and I think that you should uh, listen to this one to find out. Looking back, and I always quote Steve Jobs on this, is that Mm. you can't connect 
the dots looking forward. You connect them looking back. And that's completely my life. I had family and friends looking at me pivoting every two years of my career. Like, what are you doing? And I said, I don't know, I'm just following my gut. I like it, so I'm going to do it. There's a truth to that. Your body and your mind and your heart knows where you're supposed to go. You're just supposed to trust it. Episode 54. Rona Birnbaum, she was getting people coming to her as a financial advisor. They needed help. Of course, everybody needs help, but not enough to justify what she was charging. And also, they probably couldn't afford what she was charging. She's like, there's got to be a way to help these people and also make it worth my time. And so she went the fintech route and she came up with this new company called Vivid Plan. So here's Rona to talk a little bit more about you know, helping people. My vision is, is really that the majority of Canadians are able to get unbiased financial advice without having to deal with a product salesperson that they can trust extremely cost-effectively and, in fact, get to a point where they're actually dynamically doing their own planning. Just the way we book our own trips and travel, that's the way planning is going to be. I think that the more knowledgeable and empowered a client is, the better decisions that they will make. And at the end of the day, then they will be in a stronger financial position, and isn't that what we are here to help them do? Episode 55. So Robert, he wrote this book called Rich is a State of Mind, and he was in IT. And when he lost his job, he's like, I got enough money, I don't really need to go back to work, and I want to help other people figure out how to get into this situation that I'm in. A lot of what he does is he talks to our financial professionals and tells them you know, what it's like to be an, a regular individual and how to talk to us. It's good to have him uh, on the show. In terms of being the client, I knew what it was like to be a client and how I felt when markets went all crazy and how I felt when had a plan and then unexpected expenses come up that throw your plan off whack. How do I talk to advisors? And so I created a presentation that I called A Peek Inside Your Client's Mind and, and open with, I've never been you. I don't want to be you. I'm never going to be you. But here's what you need to know about us that I bet you don't know. Episode 56. Danielle Alexandria, she's a financial empowerment coach. What we're realizing more and more these days is it's not just about you know picking an investment and watching it grow or you know buying a house and hoping that it increases. Like there's a lot going on in your mind about money, things that might be holding you back, earning potential, that kind of stuff, it all plays a part. And so we have to look at it in a really holistic way. We're all unique and we're supposed to be the fullest expressions of ourselves. And many people are artistic or creative and have beautiful gifts that should be brought into the world, but they feel they can't do it because of money. Our beliefs about money are very deep in the subconscious and those can be very strong and difficult to overcome. And especially, for example, in people in like the healing community, well, if I have a lot of money, I'm going to become materialistic and turn into a bad person. That's not true. Mm. You get to choose. Episode 57. I really wanted to get Arian on the show because I, I started seeing all of his uh, LinkedIn videos and all of his posts, uh, inspiring posts on LinkedIn about you know how you can take control of your finances. Uh, he works for uh, a company called Enrich Academy. You know, he's 22 and he's already got investments over 100 grand. You know, he didn't uh, he didn't go to college or university and you know, this was his college or university. So here's Arian. The reason why so many people don't take action to manage their own money is because they feel like they need like a PhD in finance and they need to know all these terms. And honestly, you don't. As long as you have a really good foundation and you know a couple things, then you're good to go. I'm not like a smart, smart guy, but 
you know, I just understand how money works and I'm able to translate in a way that's really simple. And the other thing is, are you doing what you're preaching? A lot of the stuff that I talk about, I'm doing 100%. Episode 58. So I got this note from Liz Enriquez, a local from Hamilton, uh, saying she was excited to find another personal finance person in Hamilton and how she's like totally killing it with, uh, well, she didn't say that. I think she's killing it with uh, ambitiousadulting.com. Uh, That's her, her site. And uh, she just puts on these events. People understand that, that they're not confident about their money. So Liz helps with that. And uh, she's got a great story too. Navigating this world by myself, super stressed out all the time because I had no idea what was going on. And every time I met with someone at the bank or the law office or any like adult in the industry, I was so intimidated and overwhelmed because it was so much patching information together to try to figure out like how much I was going to pay on a mortgage, how much my insurance was going to be, how much the closing costs were going to be. Like, can someone just tell me that all in, like in one small package of information? Episode 59. So Glenn actually reached out to me when I was in Australia. I kind of knew who he was because I was looking for Australian personal finance people at the time, but uh, it just didn't work out the timing because I had already booked things and we were on our way to uh, head up north for our vacation in Australia. But Glenn came to FinCon in Orlando and uh, he gave me some time uh, to interview him. And so we did a deep dive and he actually used this interview on his show, uh, My Millennial Money in Australia. So here's a bit from Glenn. I was in London a couple of years ago and I'm standing at Piccadilly Circus and there's people everywhere. I'm like, this is interesting. I'm the envy of my friends, you know, work when I want, travel all over the world. But I'm not really happy. That was one time and there was another time where and I got like a $60,000 commission payment. And that same day, I visited someone who was dying. And those two times have really showed me that money, it actually doesn't matter. And you've got to hold money loosely. Episode 60. So Liz Namofsky has this great show on YouTube. It's called Finance is Personal. And she interviews women who are experts. And she just, you know, really is about uh, educating uh, people and increasing financial literacy. And I was very happy to have her come on the show. There are a lot of incredible smart women in our industry that have an, an incredible voice. There's so many women out there that have so much to give and so much intellectual property that they can share. And there are so many women out there that want to learn. Some women feel intimidated going into a bank or a brokerage or whatever and talking about money because they don't want to be talked down to. And a lot of the institutions are trying to make the experience more female friendly and they're looking for female advisors. And there aren't that many female advisors out there. Episode 61. So another uh, anonymous blogger. <laughs> this one's Canadian. Mr. Prairie Fire. His name's Fred. I mean, I know his whole name. He's not hiding it. That's the whole thing about his, his anonymity. Is it, It's just really so that you focus on the work and not his life. He talks about financial independence, retire early, and, and his take on it in, in Canada. The way I define education is when you discover something and then it provides you more freedom than anything else. And so I, I found this, the whole experience of, of delving deeper into what finances are really hit a chord with me. And, and um, especially, and, and the weird thing is tied back to my work in nonprofit world is that I couldn't quite put my finger on what the issues are for some people who are facing poverty. And finances is that, that number one issue. But when it comes to finances, 
we all need to be comfortable with it and we all need to be able to match it up to who we are as individuals, as families, as a community. Because if there is disagreement in regards to your values and your finances, then it's going to show up in other ways. Episode 62. So Zane, I'm gonna, I always get this wrong. Zena, I think it's Zena Amundsen. Okay, I just listened to the, the track and it's, it's Zena. Zena Amundsen, not Zena or Zena so she's out in the prairies too. It's, it's I think I had two Saskatchewan people in a row, which is not intentional. And I didn't even notice until after it was done. Uh, here's a little bit from Zena. Zena. I, well, I don't know what's wrong with me. We're in an industry boat like finances. It's very intimidating. And it brings up a lot of emotions. Oh, I don't have enough. I should have more. Or I'm not smart. Or I have questions. I feel stupid. And uh, it's up to us to educate. When someone comes and we're going to invest their money, I actually have a visual in my head that all their money is in this box. It's a gift box and there's a great big bow on it. And they're passing this over to me very gently. This is their past, their present, their future. This is their goals and dreams. And I am now honored to take care of that. Episode 63. So I wanted to have my cousin Cal on the show for a long time because he's got a very interesting life. You know, even if it wasn't in a, the financial space, he works for the World Bank now. Uh, he and my uh, cousin Lori, they traveled around the world, I mean, enabled by his job working in developing countries. Glad I got the chance to sit down with Cal when I was uh, on my way back from FinCon in Orlando and I stopped in D.C. Here's Cal. Let's say Haiti needs yeah. help in customs reform. We, I organize our customs people to come help them and to provide what we call technical assistance or analytical and advisory services to solve this problem they might have. Any of the countries we yeah, work in, it it, the issue is you need to do this reform. There's all kinds of political economy so, issues and constraint. Exactly. Okay. And so, it's not necessarily the government resisting. No. Anytime you bring in a policy reform, there's going to be resistance. Episode 64. Melissa Leong, she's very busy. So I said, hey, I'll come to your house. Yeah, I always feel weird. Like, uh, I'm coming to your house, right? Um, it's convenient for many, but it might feel creepy if you don't feel comfortable having anyone in your house. But uh, she was like, thanks so much because I really don't have time to go anywhere. I got a kid. I'm pregnant. I'm very busy. Uh, so I got there and she just had all these random awesome snacks laid out and tons of fun it's exciting and the landscape is great and you need diverse voices i've always felt that way that's why i've kept my last name it's why it was always important to me for people to know that i was chinese because when i started it was important to me for another generation to see someone like them reflected in the media so i'm not saying that we need to do finance just for women make it pink you know it's not about that it's about I'm telling you what's going on in my life with the things that resonate with me. And I think because they resonate with me and my unique experience, hopefully it resonates with you. Episode 65. So you always hear about these, uh, these people who, you know, they make millions of dollars uh, doing whatever, real estate or whatever it is that people uh, make a lot of money. And then, then they get carried away and they lose it all. You wonder if these people are real. Well, Damien uh, Lupo, he was one of them. He was just money, money, money. Like, it didn't, didn't mean anything. It's just like money for the sake of money. So he, uh, he kind of started over and uh, found, found what his uh, meaning was, and his, he focused on that. And then money comes. You're probably already uh, a driven person anyway if you made all that money. So if you refocus, you're just, there's no stopping you. Here's uh, uh, some words from Damien. 
nowadays I'm thinking about how do I have a greater contribution? How do I have a greater impact? And it's because I don't want to have the same conversation my dad had with me before he died four years ago, where he looked at me and he said, you know, there were just so many things that I wanted to do and I don't have any time. Episode 66. So I love Jackie Lamb's story of frugality. She's like, I'm proud of being frugal. And everybody was just like, I don't know, people crap on frugality. We praise spending and we, uh, we downplay savings. Like if you can't go and spend money on dinner, you better have a damn good excuse for that. Well, maybe you just don't want to spend that money. Like why do we tie all of these social things to money? And I think Jackie's perspective uh, is, uh, is needed. And uh, here's some more from her. My friends were out spending their money on clothes and all these things. And I wasn't because I knew that my path to freedom was frugality. I took pride in going to thrift shops. I took pride in buying $1 shirts. I could still be fairly stylish. I was, I'm not the most stylish person, but I can make it work. I could still have a good life and be frugal. And that was my statement to the world. Episode 67. So I saw, I saw Nico Barrowweed present his company and it was about making international credit score. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we need that. If you go from Canada to the US, your credit is useless. Why did I spend all this time building credit if nobody but my country understands it? It's like if you have any credit at all, you're in a prison in your country because you can't go anywhere else and get credit. That's stupid. So I'm glad Nico's doing something about it. The businesses and business owners that have access to capital are ones that bankers find familiar, meaning like not people of color or women entrepreneurs. Even if you discount the really large difference in starting point, which is hard to discount, but even if you discount that, and, and you saw, for example, my mom, who was a woman of color, immigrant, applying for a loan, or you had someone who had the exact same assets, but the underwriter knew that person from their country club, even if that person had the same qualifications and same assets, that person is much more likely to get a loan. Episode 68. So Rubina and I are actually doing a podcast together. She wanted to do a podcast and uh, she had someone who knows something about podcasts and that's me. And she's like, hey, why don't you co-host it with me? Sure. So you'll probably be hearing from us real soon. Looking forward to that. Are you talking about cash? You had yeah, $7,000 cash. I just brought it home. Probably US cash? Yeah. <laughs> I just brought it home. <laughs> so, and I pay, I think I paid my debts with yes. that. I think I did. And just you walk into the bank and or whatever. Yeah, like, I probably look like a, Here's some a, sort of like <laughs> shitty dealer or my, something. Yeah. It's my drug money. Literally, yeah. I remember that book came out, the 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 magical effect of tidying up, and it's basically oh, yeah. the same thing. You look at something, does it give me joy? If it doesn't have a use, throw it away. Right, I'm like, so. I think that was my idea because <laughs> I had my joyless spending many years prior before this magical effect of tidying up book Did came you out. Look at episode sixty nine. So I met Jason Butler uh, at FinCon in Orlando, 2018. I like the fact that he's just straight up, he's telling the truth. He's not out of debt. Student loans are the worst thing that you can get yourself into. It's hard to get a job. It's hard to make money, but he's taking you through it. I think if he didn't have these student loans to worry about, he'd be just fine. And in a way, he's not worrying about them because the, the way it happens in the States is sometimes they never go away. He's not letting these student loans get him down and stop him, like paralyze him, which some people would do. I wasn't one of the ones to get that silver spoon or like I know I've read stories where people were able to get out of two to $300,000 worth of debt in six months to a year. Um, well, I, I wasn't given a condo or given a big amount of money from my family to help me get out. So I'm like, I'm keeping it real. Like I'm in the trenches right now, making it happen. 
Yeah, so I, I, I tell people everything to get in the bag because people want to hear realistic stories. Episode 17. Michelle Hung wrote this fantastic investment workbook called The Sassy Investor. It's just an awesome interactive book and it's engaging. And I just, I'm a huge fan of this book. I just like what Michelle is doing uh, to try to help people. You have to understand like why you're doing it. It's like, I'm, I'm doing this because I'm investing, I'm buying a piece of a company. I'm going to be ultimately an owner of this. So I want to know what's going on. I want to make sure that my money is not going to go to zero. So you have to have that type of mentality as opposed to, oh, this company is so sexy and it's going to have like double digit growth forever. You know, whatever the media is splashing in headlines, right? You got to dig way deeper. Look for the risks. What is your downside? What is the worst case scenario? Everything else is a bonus. No one ever worries about whether a stock is going to do well. You worry if it's going to do poorly. Yeah. Oh, I'm worried it's going to go up 50%. No, no one worries about that, right? Episode 71. So I've known Tom Drake for, uh, well, I guess since 2017, but he's been in the Canadian personal finance blogging world forever. It's like I'm making him seem like he's 80 years old, but he just started early. The benefit of starting early in blogging is that, and if you do what he did and, and, write tons of stuff and then delegate writing out to other people, you just have so much content and so much traffic. And and he's just, now he's advising other people. He's got a podcast now. I was on it. Here's a bit more from Tom. If you're writing about something and recommending something and it's not it's not genuine, I think people see through that. I hope so. <laughs> more often than not that they, they can uh, they, they can kind of see through that and that it's not, it's not keeping their interests in mind. I don't think anyone should just rely on their one job at their career and and if that job is making them work 60 plus hours a week there there's a problem there because they're they're so tied to that job and they don't have any spare time then to do something else on the side episode 72 so i was going to say how i met uh, or i found out about the looney doctor but uh, that would reveal what city he's in. So let's just say somebody told me about this blogger. I thought it'd be cool to get uh, the perspective of uh, uh, anon- another anonymous blogger. Apparently, I, I-, I want um, so many anonymous people on. The Looney Doctor, uh, he's writing about how to take care of your finances as a medical professional. And basically, anybody can learn from this. And that's part of why I think doctors fall into the trap, because they don't realize that. They just see that they're making a lot of money now. The money has come in, and they've had all this time of pent-up demand. And then now they have the money, so they want to spend it. And they, you know, and they feel like they need to reward themselves for all of this delayed gratification. So you can totally justify it and you can totally feel okay about it, but you don't realize actually that despite making this large income after taxes and when you account for the fact you have to plan for your own retirement and you have a defined period of time where you can do that, you're not as rich as you think. Episode 73. You know, I'd like to say that it's because I have a son now that I'm so excited about the money mammals, but like it makes it more so, it makes it better because uh, now I, I'm going to have somebody to share this awesome, these awesome uh, singing puppets with. Uh, I don't have to just pretend that it's uh, for my son. The Money Mammals are great. John Lanza created these uh, Money Mammals that sing about money. Come on, puppets. Here's more from John. What we want to do is give your kid an allowance with the idea that they are going to be responsible with that money. And so the three kind of core money smart skills that 
I think are really important for kids to learn are learning how to save for goals, distinguishing between needs and wants, and then just making smart money choices. And they can really only do that if they have some kind of money. And they can get some money as younger kids from gifts, but that's not really enough. I think it's good for them to get an allowance and then start practicing with that money and making early money mistakes. Episode 74. So finally, this is the last episode that aired before this one. It's Larry Bates. He wrote Beat the Bank. Larry was, uh, he was in the business. He was uh, making, making tons of cash uh, in his ivory tower. And his sister called him and said, hey, my, my stocks aren't doing so well. Uh, I thought the stock market was great. And he just kind of looked at her stuff and realized nobody's really helping anyone. So here's a bit from Larry. This is the bizarre world of Canadian investment advice. If you go to seek advice, they will tell you to buy this ridiculously expensive mutual fund, which looks identical to this fund from the same bank that charges one twentieth of the cost. It's madness. And the problem is in Canada, as in other places in the world, the industry never presents a bill. They never say, here, Bo, here's exactly what you're paying. All right. So that's all 74 episodes that I've done since uh, March of 2017. So there's a couple of things that I learned by going through this. Number one is uh, it's really hard to do exactly one minute. And I didn't want to go over a minute because then I couldn't use these for things like Instagram and other things. A minute is just nice. So a minute or less. That means I have about three minutes left here at the end instead of the 30 seconds I imagined. It takes a long time to put these together. But by going through this, I was able to revisit all of my guests. I guess it makes you think, what's the point of this show? Well, I, I always say I want to tell people's personal finance stories because when you listen to a story, you're more likely to be able to relate to it as opposed to somebody talking about a product or the book that they wrote or just spouting advice at you. You can relate to someone growing up, having parents, getting an allowance, going to school, having a job, figuring out what to do with their money because you've either done that yourself or you're doing it right now. You're in that stage, whatever stage they're in, which is why I want to have as many different people on different ages, different genders, different cultures, religions, growing up in different countries, different ideas, all of this because everybody is different. And that's that's kind of the conclusion that I've come to. All of my guests have something different to say because they're telling their own story. They're the only ones that can do that. I think it's really about inspiring people with stories about money and hopefully there's some increase in financial literacy coming out of all these episodes. I know that every single one of my guests, their focus is to help people improve their finances, improve their lives, just to be a better version of themselves. They want to help you not get in trouble. So I'm looking forward to the next 75 episodes and the next 75 after that. I'm just going to keep going and hopefully people will keep listening. So thanks so much, and I'll see you next time. I also wanted to add, if you're still listening to this, if you listen to the entire 75-minute episode and you're here right at the end of this episode, you're the reason that I do this. So just you know, send me a note, send me an email, go to my website, bowhumphreys.com, review on iTunes, 
just tell me what you think of the show and it hopefully will inspire other people to listen as well. But thank you for listening because I don't know if anybody actually listens to the end. I don't know that. So if you're listening now, just you know, send me a note. Let me know. Thank you.